This is a Crossroads International Church podcast, bringing lives together. Please visit our website at xrds.nl for more information about us, our service times, and for other relevant resources. I want to welcome all those online, worshipping with us online, and in particular, I want to welcome and say a special greeting to Vadim, uh, the pastor in Ukraine, which I mentioned earlier, watching in the east of the country. Vadim told me that he watches uh, my, uh, our services every week and uh, was talking to me about my sermon, so that was quite interesting. Uh, so Vadim, God bless you, brother. Uh, we are thinking of you and we are praying for you. So welcome to all those online. So friends, we, we are starting a new series. You know, our theme for the year is Come to the Table. And so today, we're starting a new series. We're going to look at the Gospel of Luke. And so just to say to you, what I've done is I've prepared daily devotions for you. You can find them on our church app, on our church website. And it's done in such a way, the idea is that come Easter, uh, we as a church community would have read through the whole Gospel of Luke. And so I've done them in such a way, and that's my heart's desire, that together as a community, we work through the Gospel of Luke together come Easter. Um, Now, what we're going to focus on in particular is, as you read Luke's Gospel, uh, you'll see that one of the themes for Luke was Jesus breaking bread with people, the meals that Jesus shared with people, and that's where we're going to focus. There are seven meals recorded in Luke's Gospel that Jesus shared with people. We're going to look at six of them. And the idea is this, Jesus inviting us to the table, and the table being symbolic of the place where we find life and the place where we are fed, the place where we are nurtured. You know, friends, there's something you will know, there's just something about sharing a meal with people. I, I, I can see a family in the front row we, we had a meal with a few Sundays ago. And as I'm talking about this, I'm just reminded of that. But there's something about sharing a meal with people that feeds us in a way, you know, more than just the belly. Isn't it? More than just the belly. And, and, and it, is in the, it is in the, at the table, it's in the meal, in the breaking of the bread that we find friendship and companionship, and healing, and acceptance, and welcome. And we really find ourselves fed, our soul, our spirit nourished, more than just the belly being fed. Some of our most powerful moments in life happen around food, does it not? I mean, some of you dedicated your children last week. Now, no doubt, tell me if I'm wrong, uh, you used that opportunity to invite family and friends and you had cake or tea or some kind of food, did you not? Some of our most powerful moments in life involve food somehow. And we see this in Luke's gospel, how this thing, Jesus sharing food with people, just somehow feeds and nourishes and transforms us. It brings life to us, and the invitation, come to the table, is so clearly seen in Luke's gospel. Some of our most powerful moments happen around food. Think of birthdays and birthday celebrations. Think of the day you got married, those of us who are married. Uh, Some of you, uh, probably the ladies, maybe not so much the guys, can still exactly remember the menu and exactly what you ate. Catherine asked me the other day, do you remember what we, um, Catherine, I have no idea. But I remember there was food. 
And there was celebration, and it was beautiful, and it was life-giving. I've got a photo up there. Uh, Davey, stick up that photo. That's the staff having a meal together some years ago now. This is pre-corona. Look at that. Look at Manuel's face there on the side. <laughs> having food together. It feeds us. You see, because, friends, the table, as we come to discover in Luke's gospel, the table becomes a place of liberation. It becomes a place of healing. It becomes a place of forgiveness. The table becomes a place. It becomes a place where I'm seen, where I'm heard, where I become family, where I find life. And as we discover in Luke's gospel, sometimes when people sit at the table together, they end up changing the world. So my prayer, my hope in this series over the coming six weeks is that you will find your place at Jesus' table. That you will find him and hear him welcoming you and inviting you to his table. And that you will respond to that invitation. And that you will find life and transformation and healing and that which your soul so desperately needs. May you find your place at his table. So today's story, we're going to start with a fun story. It really is a good story. So by the way, I love how Luke writes. He's such a creative writer. And just reading the story, I mean, look, if you, so Johan knows, I shared with him. So like my first version of this sermon notes, just reading the story, I think we started about 15, 20 pages. Now to give you an idea, to give it context for you, my normal sermon, you know my normal sermon length is five pages, right? So I had to be... Anyway, I'm wasting time by just even telling you that. Okay. It's a beautiful story. And we have the story of Jesus being invited to a Pharisee's house, Simon. So this is, a, this is today's story, Jesus going to Simon the Pharisee's house. Now, let's just remind ourselves, the Pharisees were at odds with Jesus for several reasons. I'm going to explain some of them to you now. But one of those things uh, actually involved food. Because they would fast twice a week, the Pharisees, but Jesus didn't. I mean, Luke 7, 34, where the Pharisee says, Jesus, you're a glutton. So they, so, so they did not like the fact that Jesus did not observe these fasting rules about fasting twice, twice a week. Jesus was eating. What's more, as far as they are concerned, he was eating with the wrong kinds of people. I suppose in some ways we can say, Jesus was killed because he wouldn't stop eating with the wrong kinds of people. Let's have a look at this beautiful story. I'm going to read the whole story for us. It's just too good not to. And you understand, of course, that we can stop at like every third word and there's a sermon right there, just about. That, that's the kind of story this is. And my hope, and part of the way I'm saying this to you is this way, is I hope that God will foster in you a love for His Word. God's Word is just spectacular. It's like you read the story, it's like fireworks going off. Can you see the fireworks in the story? That's what God's Word should be, and I hope it will be that for you. Okay, here's the story. Luke 7, 36, 50. Let's read it. 
when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, surely he would know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is. That she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Then Jesus said, he said, two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned... Toward the woman. I love this. So he turns towards the woman, but he says to Simon. <laughs> See, there's a sermon right there. He turns toward the woman and says to Simon, Do you see her? Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. Okay, can you just, as her great love has shown, okay, this is for free. This is not even in the sermon. Here's a Interesting bit. So what's happening? Here's this woman, right? She is, she, she's breaking down before Jesus. She's at his feet. What is she doing? She, she's putting her faith in him, is she not? She's, putting, she's saying, listen, I trust that you can, can, can heal my brokenness. I, I trust that you can meet my need that nothing else and no one else will be able to meet. I'm putting my faith in you. That's what's happening, right? You get that? Then it says, Jesus says, therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. Do you get it? Do you see it? The evidence of faith is seen in how we love. The extent to which I have and put my faith in Jesus shows itself in the depth and the extent to which I'm able to love. That's a side note, okay. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? And Jesus said to this woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What a story. There's so much going on here. A beautiful story. Okay. Let's get into it as much as we can. <laughs> so Luke presents us with three characters. We have this narrative, and there are three clear heroes of the story, three characters highlighted. The first is Simon, then we have the sinner lady, and then we have Jesus. Let's start with Simon. 
Let's see what we can discover there, what we learn. So what we learn from the story is, number one, uh, so background. Simon is a Pharisee. Uh, they were a religious sect of the first century. They were students of the law, of the commandments of Moses and laws of Moses. And so they were people who really took their faith seriously. And I think that part of it we can truly commend, and that's to be admired. They were serious about loving God and about doing what's right by God. There was a great seriousness about their faith. But he was a Pharisee, and the Pharisees were at odds with Jesus. And they disagreed really two things. They're two big things to note. Number one, what the Pharisees would do is they, would, they felt that it was their role to protect the commandments of Moses, to protect the law. And so they did what was called building a wall, building a fence around these laws by adding more laws. For example, one law would have up to, one commandment would have up to 25 other rules and laws. So they were building this, this wall around the law just to make sure that you, by keeping all these other rules, you don't even get close to breaking God's commandment. You get the idea? The problem with that, though, the problem with that, though, is, is that they made it more and more difficult for people to keep the commandments. They made it almost impossible for people to live out their faith. They would constantly fail because they would constantly be breaking some or other extra additional rule. And Jesus struggled with this. The second thing where they really disagreed, and so it's an extension of that. So for, so for the Pharisees, it was, about, um, it was about purity and holiness. And that's found through obedience to the law. I mean, the word Pharisee uh, comes from the Hebrew word parushi, which means um, uh, separated, distanced from. And so what they would do, here's, here was their strategy. If you were a sinner, if you broke these rules and these laws, what they would do, they would intentionally and deliberately shun you. They would turn their back on you and say, I don't want to know you. I don't want to hear you. I don't want to listen to you. I don't want to break bread with you. You are shunned. The idea is that if you feel our shame, if you feel our, uh, us ostracizing you, that that would inspire you to want to be better. So we're going to turn our backs on you so that you feel our scorn, and this somehow should inspire you. Okay, no, really, I should do better, and then I will be accepted. That was their strategy. Jesus' strategy was the exact opposite. He said, I want to see you. I want to hear you. I want to listen to you. I want to befriend you. I want to come to your house, Zacchaeus. So his approach is very different. So, so here's Simon the Pharisee. He knows this about Jesus. He knows their approach. He knows Jesus' approach. And he invites Jesus. So here's the thing I want to say. So he invites Jesus to his home. But very quickly... As we read Luke's story, we come to discover that it was an invitation, but not an ordinary invitation. Because when you invite someone to your home, you would greet them with a kiss. 
a brotherly kiss to say, I welcome you, friend. Kiss, kiss, hug, embrace. You are welcome here. I want you to be here. I want you to be your friend. You are so welcome at my table. Simon didn't welcome Jesus with a kiss. Then, uh, but but the culture was you would provide water for your guests so they can wash their feet, because you can imagine how dirty their feet would get. But there was no water for Jesus' feet. And this becomes rather significant if you take into account the fact how they ate. They would recline on the floor, would they not? And so Jesus would sit there with dirty feet, and everybody would see it. As if to almost try and embarrass Jesus. Look at his dirty feet. And then the custom was also to provide them with a bit of scented oil. It was kind of first century uh, antiperspirant, deodorant, because you can imagine the sun and walking, and they wouldn't smell too great. And so a bit of scented oil, you know, on the head and so on, just so that the place smelled a bit better. But Jesus wasn't given any of that. To further keep Jesus at arm's length. Do you know what I see here? I see Jesus invited, but ignored. And I wonder, does that maybe characterize for some of us our relationship with Jesus? Invited, but ignored. Come to my home, come to my life, but there is no kiss. There's no real love. I'm too busy with other things, Jesus. I've invited you, but I'm ignoring you. I wonder. And so Luke tells the story in such a way that he wants us to see how Simon reacts in the presence of Jesus. But we learn something about Simon, do we not? As we look at, so, so he treats Jesus in this way uh, to, to just keep Jesus in his place, to keep him at arm's length. What do you learn about Simon? Here's what I learn. I learn that pride, pride determines, pride governs his interactions with people. It is pride that sets the tone that governs how he interacts with people. Arrogance and self-righteousness. Does our pride and arrogance and self-righteousness perhaps uh, determine how we interact with people at times? I mean, of course, we'll never say we're better than anyone else. We'll never say it out loud. But at times, our thoughts, our words, and our actions betray us. See, here's the problem that Luke, I think, wants us to see about what pride and arrogance and self-righteousness does. Pride prevents us from seeing. Pride blinds us. First of all, Simon was blinded. He could not see who he really was. He's not as high and mighty and got it all figured out and together as what he might think he is. His pride prevented him from seeing the real him, a person in need. 
But pride not only prevents me from seeing the real me and my own need, but pride also prevents me from seeing others. And so he saw not in the woman a creation of God, created in God's image, he just saw a sinner. So not only do I not see my own need, but I also don't see your need. But pride also prevents me from seeing God and what God wants to do in the world and who Jesus really is. He had the Son of the living God, creator of the universe in his dining room. And he missed it. He couldn't see it. His pride and his arrogance and his self-reliance prevented him from seeing Jesus in his dining room. And Luke wants us to see this. This is why he tells the story the way that he does. And into this setting, this setting of Simon inviting Jesus, but shunning him, inviting him, but ignoring him, into this setting steps this woman. Now, Luke describes her just simply as a sinner. It doesn't say what sin. Uh, people speculate, say she was a prostitute. That's likely, but we don't know. It doesn't say. She could have been an addict. She could have been a, an alcoholic, a thief, whatever. But she was a sinner. The point is, everybody knew she was a sinner. She was known in town by all as a sinner. Whatever that is doesn't matter. And I think Luke deliberately does not tell us what sin it was. Because it actually is irrelevant. And into this setting, an invited but ignored Jesus, Luke introduces another character. And she comes. She comes there, unlike Jesus, uninvited. She comes uninvited into an unwelcoming situation where, where women are not supposed to be. They're there to serve and then leave, but they're not really meant to be there in first century culture. And she comes carrying what was in all likelihood her most valuable possession on this planet. So can you see what, what Luke's busy doing? He's saying, here's Jesus, the Son of God. Here's Simon, invites him but ignores him. Here comes another character coming into the presence of Jesus with a different attitude. And we read this remarkable story. Can you just see what's going on there? Can you, can you see the fireworks going off? Can you hear the music? Can you feel the drama? Everyone's looking at her. What is she doing here? She doesn't care whether she's been invited or not. Jesus is here. I don't care what you think. I know enough about Jesus to know that he would be okay with me being here. So I'm going to be here. And she comes, and she just, I mean, no words. 
just immediately just starts crying and breaks down. Can you imagine what's going on in her life at the moment where she just says, I need you so much. I have messed up so badly. I'm in such great need of you. I don't even need to say it. I know that you will know. And she's in tears and she lets down her hair. Another scandalous thing to do so, by the way. She lets down her hair and she's in tears and she's, just, and she, she's not even looking Jesus in the eye. She's at his feet, the dirty feet, remember, that's not been washed. And she's kissing these dirty feet and she's wiping it with her hair and she's just broken. She's saying, Jesus, I need you. You are God Almighty. I recognize it somehow. It may not have been said to me, but I know it and I know that I need it. And she takes this thing, which is the most important thing, and, it, it, and she pours it on his feet and she says, I need you more than I need this. Somehow she was able to recognize, and this is what Luke wants us to know, that she was somehow able to recognize, I need Jesus more than I need this valuable perfume. So I will offer it. Because he can give me what this never can. And as this extra, extraordinary moment of of, because it's a moment of repentance. That's what's going on here. She's saying, God, I've messed up. I'm sorry, forgive me. This moment of, and Luke contrasts this. Do you see it? We, on the one hand, we have pretense. On the other hand, we have immense honesty. On the, on the other hand, we've got, we've got pride, and yet here we see this moment of utter humility. This moment of repentance, this moment of, of, of need. So in this incredible moment, Jesus knows exactly what Simon is thinking. And what Simon is thinking, you see, because he doesn't see. He doesn't see or has any compassion. Why is it, what's going on? What's going on in a life that this is happening he doesn't see that. All he sees is the sin. Not the sinner. He sees the sin. And she's got her label. You are a this. You are a that. And that's all he sees. And so Jesus in this moment knows what Simon's thinking. Simon's thinking, well, if you were really a prophet, you'd know who she really is or what she really is. A sinner. Jesus knows he's thinking this. He knows what's going on because he knows our thoughts. He knows what's going on in his heart and mind. And then he says this. He asks him a question. What's the question that he asks? Remember the theme of the story? Simon, do you see? Do you see her? I love how Luke contrasts. Simon doesn't see a jolly thing. Not about himself, not about the people around him, not about this special guest in his home. This lady who's not supposed to see, she sees. The fact that she's on her knees kissing dirty, dusty feet tells me she sees. She sees herself for who she really is, her own need. She sees Simon for who he really is, and she sees Jesus for who he really is. And Jesus asks Simon, do you see? Here's what Luke's doing. 
in the presence of Jesus, he presents us with two characters. And he asks of us to recognize ourselves in both these characters. He wants us to know that at times we are Simon. He wants to remind us that we are in actual fact also this woman. You might think like Simon, you are not, but actually you are. And then what Luke asks of us is, in the presence of Jesus, how will you now respond? What will be your response to ultimately the invitation of Jesus, come to my table? How will you respond? And then Luke wants us to see Jesus, the third character. He wants us to see how Jesus responds to those who come to him in repentance and in brokenness and in just absolute honesty about who I am. He wants us to see what Jesus does. What does he do? Your sins are forgiven. You are saved. Go in peace. Time's up. My friends, I want to say to you that today, again here, Jesus is before us. And he invites us to his table. How will I respond? I think the world now needs people, God's people, to come to him on bended knee. Say, God, open my eyes. I want to see you. I want to see me. I want to see the world around me. I want to see why you came, your mission, my place in your mission. Help me to see. Jesus says, come. Come to the table. And at the table, find healing and life. That lady's life was never the same again. Simon never changed. Amen. <laughs>